Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using our ministry to impact lives. So if you have a story to share, please email us at impact at jfc.org. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, go to jfc.org and click on the Give tab so that we can keep providing messages just like this one to you every week. We're in our current series, Faith, where we're walking through what it looks like to trust God no matter the circumstances. Thank you so much for joining us. My name's George. My name's Jonna. We moved to Denver right after we graduated from college in Manhattan, Kansas. And um, a couple years prior to that, this guy asked me to marry him. Well, I think every every uh, dream of of a girl, I think, is to get married and find her knight in shining armor and um, have a family. And um, that's definitely what I found the love that we had for each other. I guess I want to say as the wife, I expected certain things that um, I thought my husband would be. And I um, started feeling that um, my husband's not providing all the needs that I thought I had. I think I started putting unnecessary needs and pressure on him and that caused a lot of friction in our relationship and um, it got to the point where we just couldn't handle it anymore and I think um, we both started not liking each other and life was going along and jobs, careers, kids growing up, money, marriage and eventually we got divorced. I never saw myself ever being getting divorced ever. You and I have never experienced that separation. Mm -hmm. But I think um, I, as the mother and the wife, allowed Satan to come in and overtake me and my thoughts. And I started listening to him instead of listening to Jesus and I put pressure on him and and you're not alone it, it, it takes two and I, I had my own set of issues and my own set of expectations and um, I let the world get in the way of things too so it gets hard and you start thinking that that the other person doesn't care for you as much and and um, it, it just can destroy the love and the relationship that was there. We have our three little daughters and it was a shock and um, for eight years we lived in separate homes. A lot of damage was done, I know, um, to our three kids and I was approached by Pastor Terry and Brenda to be involved in this discipleship group. And I thought, wow, what perfect timing. I would love to join that. And there were couples involved in this group and also some singles. And I never really pictured myself and really never verbalized that I was a single. So I started going to this group and we started studying discipleship and what a disciple was. All these different things would come up. And 
Four years after our divorce, God really convicted me with a sermon that Pastor John was preaching about marriage. And I would come home from church and just would cry, sobbing, because I knew that I was supposed to get remarried to my ex-husband. And I fought with God and said, no, I can't. I just can't do it. But I remember telling God, if that's really what you want me to do, I will do it. God talked to me about unconditional love and he showed me, you know, Jonna, I love you just the way you are and you're all screwed up and I love George just the way he is and he's all screwed up and I am calling you to love him the way I love him and the way I love you. And it was like instant. And I, George and I would always go Christmas shopping together for the girls. And we were in his little car one day and I felt like God wanted me to ask him how he was. And I'll never forget that. I looked over at you and I said, how are you doing? How are things? How, how is it now that the girls are all in college? And um, do you see yourself? remarrying or being with someone and it was kind of shocking because I thought he would say yeah I actually want to get remarried to you but his answer was not that at all he actually said yeah I'm working on my retirement and things are going well there's no drama in my life and I was shocked that he said that so I felt I was almost gonna not say anything but I really felt God tugging on my heart and saying say what I told you to say and so I looked over at him and I said, you know, I don't see myself being by myself the rest of my life. And I do want to be with someone. And you know what? I choose you. And I remember you looked back at me and you said, I've always chosen you. And from that moment on, that's when I knew that God didn't design you to be my everything because he's the only one who can be my everything. Early July, 1998. Three years earlier, Kim and I had moved to Aiken, South Carolina to be youth pastors, so we were just finishing up our third year, and I had just finished taking 30-plus youth on a missions trip to Mexico. As you can imagine, I was grateful to be back alive, <laughs> and my wife was not with me because she was pregnant with our second child, so she was back here at home in Estes Park with her family. I'm exhausted. I'm tired, and I just wanted to go to sleep. And as I'm laying down, I start to thank God. Thank you, God, for bringing us all home safely. Thank you that uh, nobody was injured, nobody got hurt. Thank you for the miracles that we saw. Thank you for the lives that we touched. And as I did that, I started to fade to sleep. Now, I don't know if you've all had this experience, but... You know, sometimes when you're fading to sleep and you're kind of daydreaming in and out, and then all of a sudden a softball hits your head and you're like, <gasps> anybody else have that experience? Maybe it's not a softball, maybe it's a Frisbee or a dog. I don't know, something comes, and you're just, all of a sudden you're almost completely asleep and it just jars you awake. I had a very similar experience except for it wasn't um, a daydream of a softball hitting my head 
or a Frisbee or anything like that, but it was the word of the Lord that woke me up and shocked me awake. And when I say it was the word of the Lord, I didn't hear an audible voice, but there was a thought in my mind and it woke me from being almost completely asleep. It woke me and just stalled me wide awake. And here's what I felt like the Lord said. I am taking you from this church. The church's name was Southwind Fellowship. I happened to be working for a guy named Terry Hilgers. <laughs> he was the senior pastor. And so that woke me up. It shook, shook me for a little bit, and I'm, I started asking God questions. Okay, what, what does that mean? What do I do? Do I go talk to him now? Do I? And the Lord began to speak to me and began to tell me, no, I want you to serve him and do everything you can to be the best armor bearer that you can be. And I will make it known when this is going to happen. And so for the next three months, I did exactly that. I served him with all of my heart. My wife came back shortly after I had gotten back and I remember telling her, the Lord said this and she's like, okay, let's pack, let's go home. And I was like, no, we can't. That's God, God hasn't said yet. And so I did that for two months and Terry and I were getting along better than we ever had in ministry. And he had a wedding to do up in Oregon. And so he drove from South Carolina to Oregon because he likes to drive because he's crazy that way. <laughs> so he took three weeks to make that drive all the way up to the northwest and then to come all the way back to the southeast. And I'll never forget this day. It was an early day in October. He invited me to come have a bagel at a bagel shop, and uh, it's a place that where we met uh, many times. And he looked at me across the table, and I could tell something was going on. And he looked at me, and uh, he was nervous. And he said, well, I'm just going to say it. He goes, um, on my trip, I was praying for the vision of Southwind Fellowship uh, for the next year. And he goes, and I don't know how to tell you this, Dan, but you're not in it. Ouch, right? But here's what happened. I looked across the table from him and I go, I know! And he's like, what? And I said, back in July, God spoke to me and told me that he was gonna be moving me from the church, but that I was to wait on him and he would make it crystal clear. And it's crystal clear. So we began to talk about the process and what it would look like. And a few months later, I actually left Southwind Fellowship and I moved back to Colorado, my wife and I, my two kids. And we moved back to help Pastor John through another series, which I can't go into, of, of where God spoke to me and we just responded to that. But 18 years later, here I still am. So now I have a question for you as I tell that story. Did I respond in faith? Did I respond in belief? Did I respond in trust? Was it a combination of all three? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we thank you for the fact that you have given us a great gift, the gift of faith that we can have in our lives, this gift that pleases you, that gives you great joy, and God, I pray that you would help me to communicate 
this concluding message on this series on faith. And God, I pray that you would speak to me and the words that come out of my lips would come into the hearts of everybody listening to me and you would make an impact through this message. Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for the good gifts that you give to us. And we pray these things in your name. Everybody said, amen, amen. It's an honor and privilege to stand before you today and to do the concluding message to the faith series. And whether uh, at Lone Tree, Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, Lakewood, watching uh, via the live stream, we are so glad that you are here. Um, I bring out a point out of that story. Faith, belief, and trust. Is there a difference between the three? And actually, let's go a little bit further than that. Does it even matter? Does it matter if there's a difference between the three? And so I started from the moment that we were going to do this series, man, there was something in my heart that said, I want to talk about faith, belief, and trust, and the difference between those three things. And so I went into the scripture, and I started looking up all three of those words. And here's a couple very interesting things in regards to faith that the Bible says that it doesn't say about belief or trust. One of them is the foundation scripture that we've used through this entirety of the series, and that's in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Interestingly enough, there in that verse, both the word faith and believe are used, and they're two different words, just so that you know. But the thing that struck my heart and the thing that I want to bring to your attention is this. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Didn't say without belief, didn't say without trust, but it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. There's another verse in Romans chapter 14. Let me set it up for you. Romans chapter 14 is commonly taught as a section of scripture to to help people to understand that we are all different and we hear from God in different ways and what may be okay for you doesn't mean that it's going to be okay for me. And that chapter in chapter 14, I encourage you, go home and read through it. You'll see where it says, do not judge another man for the food that he eats because he may have a conviction to eat something different than what you may feel like you're allowed to do. And then it goes into celebrations and feasts and it says, don't judge a man for how he celebrates or the feasts that he does because if he has a clear conscience before me, then that's okay for him. Make sure that you do what you feel okay about. And then the concluding verse finishes by saying this in that chapter, and everything And everything, how much does everything make up? Oh, everything, right? And everything that does not come from faith is sin. Wow. I don't know if you've ever read that verse or I don't know if you've ever heard that verse, but that's pretty powerful. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. I would just propose to you today, church, that if it is impossible to please God without faith, 
and everything that does not come from faith is sin, then I think it is very important for us to understand the difference between faith, belief, and trust. See, we take those three words, we throw them around, we, we say them in a sentence, and we can say, I trust my wife, I believe my wife, I have faith in my wife, and we just use them almost uh, synonymous of each other, and, and we don't really even know the difference between the three. And so what I would like to do today in this message is try to break those three apart and help you to understand the differences so that we can please God. And so that we can live our lives in a way where it's not sin because we're operating in faith. So are you with me? Okay, now let me tell you, it is going to get incredibly heady right now. I have been praying for this message and looking at this and going, oh my gosh, this is going to be, this is going to be like going to school. So are you guys ready? I mean, put your thinking hats on, get ready. We're going to go into some Greek. I don't usually go this much into Greek and that kind of stuff, but I want you to see the difference between these three things. Now, the interesting thing about faith, trust, and belief <laughs> is that they come from the same root word. You're going to say, well, Pastor Dan, you just told me that they're all different, but yet they come from the same root word. And the best description I can give to you is the Trinity. We have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit, and they are three separate entities. They have three different functions in our lives, but yet they are all one thing. Does that make sense? And so when we talk about trust and we talk about belief and we talk about faith, they do come from a similar root word. But I want you to understand that they are three different things when it comes to our lives. Now, the root word that they come from is pitho. That's the Greek word, pitho. It's a verb, and it means this, to persuade or be persuaded of what is trustworthy. So the root word of trust, belief, and faith is to be persuaded. The thing that they have in common, the thing that trust, belief, and faith all have in common is that they are a form of persuasion into our lives. Okay? With me? In the New Testament, the word trust, when you look up the word trust and you do it um, in, a, um, in the Greek, you're going to find that the word Pitho is the word that they used or they translated into trust. And I'm going to give my own little definition of each one of these words, okay? So here's my definition of trust. Trust is a persuasion that comes from experience. Trust is a persuasion that comes from an experience. Now, many of us can understand this and comprehend this because we all have relationships with maybe spouses or uh, friends and family, and we have people that we trust because 
in the experiences that we've had with them and in the interactions with them, they have become trustworthy or on the flip side, they're not trustworthy at all. I remember a friend who I had in high school, which I, man, he and I really connected. I really liked this guy, but here's one thing I knew about him. I could never trust him. The experiences that I had with him is that every time he would say something, he would convince me, and I'm gonna get to it in a minute, he would convince me and I would believe him only to have him come and let me down to the point where I decided to say, I can't trust you anymore because of the experience that I have had with you. Trust is a persuasion that comes from experience. It comes from experience in a relationship with one another. And how about this? There are times where the only thing you can stand on is the fact that God has been faithful to you and he has come through time and time again. And sometimes you just stand on that foundation and go, you know what, God, I'm not even sure exactly what's going on in my life, but here's what I do know. I trust you because of experiences that I've had with you in the past. Okay, that's trust. Belief. Belief comes from the Greek word pistuo. Pistuo. It's a verb. And it means, I believe. I believe. So here's my definition, the Dan DeMay definition of belief. It's persuasion that, come, that comes from facts. Persuasion that comes from facts, whether they are right or wrong. Any of you ever been persuaded in something that was absolutely incorrect, but you totally believe the person that was telling you that? It happens to us. Maybe it's an investment that somebody talked you into. Man, they gave you all kinds of facts and figures and everything, and you put your money to it, and then a little bit later, it fell completely apart. And because of that experience, you don't trust that guy anymore. Right? Belief is a persuasion that comes from facts. Romans 10.9 says this, that if you believe, I'm sorry, that if you confess with Je that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. What does that verse really say? Well, again, a little definition from me that would come from that is this that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ walked and talked on this planet, that he, he is who he said he was, and he made some incredibly bold claims, at one point saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to me except, no one comes to the Father except through me. And when you believe in that, and you believe that God raised from the, him from the dead, then you are saved. It's a persuasion that comes from the facts. Okay, so now let's talk about faith, because this series is really about faith. Faith. I'm going to spend a little more time here. The dictionary definition of faith, interestingly, it's a noun. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. The dictionary definition, if you go online, it says this, complete trust or confidence in someone or something. And the example is this. This restores one's faith in politicians. Does anybody see a problem with having faith in God in the same way that we have faith in politicians? 
That's the definition. A second definition that comes is a strong belief in God or the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual apprehension rather than proof. A system of religious belief, the Christian faith. It was what it says in the dictionary I looked up. Now, I understand it's important to understand words and we can look it up on a diction or in a dictionary, but from time to time, the Bible actually will define words. And I looked, I tried to find a definition of belief biblically, and it, there's, not a, there's not a verse that says belief is. And there's not a verse that says trust is, at least not that I could find. But there is a verse that says faith is. And the Bible itself defines faith. And this is what it says, Hebrews 11, 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Another translation finishes that by saying, and being certain of what is unseen. Church, let's be honest with one another. How can you be certain of something you do not see? Anybody have a struggle with that? But yet this faith, it is impossible to please God without it. And so it becomes very important to understand exactly what God is asking us when it comes to faith. It comes from the Greek word pistis. Again, it's a noun. And here's what it writes. If you go to biblehub.com and you look up the word faith and you click the little Greek button, this is what you're going to read. It comes from the word pitho, to persuade or be persuaded. Properly, persuasion. Be persuaded or come to trust. Faith. And then it writes this. Faith is always a gift from God and never something that can be pre-produced by people. Listen to that. Faith is always a gift that comes from God and never something that can be produced by people. In short, faith for the believer is God's divine persuasion. And therefore, distinct from human belief, yet involving it. It goes on in another little part of that commentary, and it says this. In Scripture, faith and belief are not exactly the same. Faith always comes from God and involves his revelation. Therefore, faith is beyond belief. It continues and says this, faith is God's work. Faith is never the work of people. We cannot produce faith ourselves, nor can we drum it up at will. Rather, faith comes as Christ speaks his rhema word within. Church, we throw around faith like it's just another form of vocabulary. I have faith in this chair. I have faith in this stage. I have faith in a person. I have faith in God. And there's a problem when we do that because it is not the same thing. Faith is a gift that comes from God and God alone. Something that's very interesting in my study is I looked up the word faith in the Old Testament and it is eerily missing. 
As a matter of fact, in my study Bible, um, when I look up the word faith in the King James Version, which is the one that it defaults to, I type in the word faith, and it only comes up two times in the entirety of the Old Testament. Why would that be? I propose to you that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it opened the door in order for us to actually be able to receive the gift of faith. It's pretty good, isn't it? It's a lot different than probably you ever heard. But here's the important thing. We've got to understand what faith is because if we don't understand it, we won't be able to please him. Hebrews said, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So here's my definition of faith. Faith is persuasion, as are the other two, that comes from revelation. Faith is persuasion that comes from revelation. Now, the really cool thing about the Bible is the Bible actually tells us how to get this gift. In Romans 10, verse 17, it says this, so faith comes by hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Now, here's something interesting that I have never, ever seen until I did this study. The word faith there is pistis, which is a noun. Help me out. What is a noun? It's a... Well, let's try this again. What is a noun? It's a... It's a person, place, or thing. It is not an action. Well, Pastor Dan, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, I'm just telling you what I'm looking up. Faith is a noun. It's a person, place, or thing. And so when it says faith comes by hearing, it is saying this gift that God wants to give to you comes by hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. Now, this might, this blew me away. I hope it blows you away as well. Told you it was going to be heady. The word hearing, if you look it up in the Greek, it's a noun. It's not a verb. It's not an action. So what is God saying in that section of scripture where it says faith comes by hearing? Faith, the noun, comes by hearing the noun, the person, place, or a thing. And church, here is what I think God is saying in that. The gift that I want to give you of faith comes by the gift of you hearing my voice. And there is nothing that you or I do, action, to receive this, except for placing ourselves in a position where we say, Heavenly Father, speak to me so I can hear your voice so that then I can be certain of things that I don't see. Isn't that good? So, if the gift of faith comes by the gift of being able to hear God's voice, by the way, the very next verse, Romans 10, 18, it says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then it says, so did they not hear? 
speaking about the people that weren't receiving that gift, and that word here, that is the action. So in other words, God is speaking. He's trying to give every single one of us his gift, but in the very next verse, the people didn't respond to his voice. In church, we've got a whole lot of people that are not responding to God's voice, that are not setting themselves up and, and giving God an opportunity to speak to them. When you pray, do you spend any time actually listening or does your prayer look like a one-sided phone call? Hello, Lord, hey, how you doing? Hey, God, I just want you to know I love you and I think you're awesome and I want you to be involved in my life all day long. Help me to be a husband, a better husband, a better uh, man of God. Help me to be a better father. And, and God, I pray that at work, everything would be effective and productive and God, speak to me while, uh, while I'm at work and Lord, just anoint my day. And oh, hey, God, it's time to go and I love you, amen. And we don't spend any time listening and actually letting God speak his word into us so that then we can have that gift of faith and step out in things that we don't see with our physical eyes. So, if faith comes by hearing, how do we hear from God? Let me go back to that statement or, or the, this interesting study about the Old Testament. The way that people heard from God in the Old Testament, and I know many of you probably know this, but I want to make sure everybody's on the same page. The way that people heard from God in the Old Testament is that the high priest had to go into the Holy of Holies where the presence of God resided. The priests would sacrifice lambs on behalf of the people and the sins that the people committed. And they would actually take some of that blood and sprinkle it on the high priest. Sounds fun, right? Anybody want that job? You get sprinkled with this blood from the sacrificial, sacrificial lamb and then that high priest would step into the holy of holies and there he would meet with the presence of God and God would speak to him. And then he would come out of the Holy of Holies and he would tell the other priests, this is what the Lord said. And then the priests would go out to the tribal leaders and say, this is what the Lord said. And then the tribal leaders would go out to the family heads and say, this is what the Lord said. And then the family heads would go into their families and say, this is what the Lord says. I grew up Catholic. Sound familiar at all? Pope, cardinal, bishop, priest. It's the way that the church actually started to be founded because that's the way it was to hear from God. But when Jesus Christ came to this earth and he walked and talked on this planet and when he died on that cross, and we're gonna conclude this message by celebrating communion with one another and we're gonna celebrate what Jesus himself said, which is this is the cup of the new covenant. He understood that the blood being shed and the sacrifice that he was giving up for our behalf was so that we no longer had to go to the family head, to the tribe head, to the priest, to the high priest, to hear from God any longer, but we could have direct access to our heavenly father. And at that moment in time, we were given, when we asked Jesus into our heart, we're given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to us, and we can have, we can be persuaded by revelation. And that is the gift 
of faith. So, how do we hear from God? Well, there's sections of scripture that says all creation cries out. And I don't have time to go into all of these things, but the word of God says that all creation cries out about God. Sometimes you're driving down 470 and you look at the sunset over the Rocky Mountains and it's just like, oh my gosh. And you know what? God can give you revelation of how significant you are, even though we are very little, teeny, insignificant people. In light of the cosmos, think about how teeny we are, but yet God knows the number of hair on your head and he knew you in your mother's womb. Man, is that, sorry, okay, that's just good. God can speak to us in relationships as iron sharpens iron, so another man will sharpen another man's countenance in one-on-one dialogue, in group conversations. We can get revelation from God just in those relationships. We can get revelation from God. We can hear God's voice in messages like these. I hope, I pray you're receiving revelation here. As I'm speaking, it's just not another uh, message, but that God is speaking to your heart about certain aspects of this and going, oh man, I need to look into that. Which by the way, I encourage you, go look into this. Research it out for yourself. See if what I'm saying is true. Prayer. Man, when we go before the Lord in prayer and we open our hearts and say, God, speak to us, man, prayer can come in and God can, or the Holy Spirit can come in and speak to us. But the one that I want to focus on and uh, before I wrap up this message is this one. I believe the most important way that we can hear from God is by reading our Bible. You guys should shout amen there, right? We'll try that again. Uh, Is by reading our Bible. Okay, recently read a study as I was preparing for this. It's a study done in 2015. Kind of interesting here. 88%, so let's say nine out of 10 of us in this room, the study says that 88% of Americans have a Bible in their house. And it goes on and says, actually, they have more than a Bible. That those people who have a Bible, there are an average of 4.7 Bibles in the household. I got probably twice that, to be honest with you, in my house. I don't know about you guys, but I'm willing to bet a majority of us have more than five Bibles in our house. But here's the sad statistic that came right after that, and that is this. 37% of those people... Nine out of 10 people have the word of God, the thing that gives us his voice and helps us to understand. It's got the logos word. It's got the rhema word. It's got the life of God in it. Nine out of 10 of us have it in our house, but only one out of three of us read it. It says 37% only read the Bible or 37% read it once a week. And I'd be willing to bet that some of those people think I went to church, somebody read the Bible to me, so I read it this week. Church, what this means is this. If you read the Bible, the person on the right and the person on the left, they don't. And so before you leave today, make sure you tell them, hey, get in your word this week. (laughs) Like I do. Just kidding. There's a study 
um, Willow Creek did a study called Reveal. And out of that study, here's what they came out with. That the number one way to spiritually grow, and I think that you are here listening to me right now, no matter which campus you're at, or maybe even watching online, you are listening to me right now because there's something in you that wants to grow spiritually. The number one way they found, and by a wide margin, was getting into your Bible. And then they found that not only reading your Bible was the catalyst, catalyst to spiritual growth, but the people who read the Bible with other people and talked about it grew exponentially more than those that were just reading their Bible. Church, here is what my heart is, and here's my hope for this evening, is that, or this, for this weekend, is that you would walk away from church and that you would go, I've got to get into my word because in the word is the revelation and I want to be persuaded by revelation from the heavenly father because without faith, it is impossible to please God and I want to please God. You want to please God, church? Get into your Bible and let him speak to you. Because God wants to speak to each and every one of us. And I believe he's trying to speak all the time. But all of the chaos around us in the world clouds that out. And a great way, a great way to separate yourself from all that distraction is to get into your word. And do it on a faithful and regular basis. So I'll conclude by saying this. The story I told of me and Achan, what happened? Well, God spoke. He gave me the gift of his voice and I received it. Not only did I receive it, but I decided to believe what he said. And I started acting out in belief by supporting Terry in the best way that I possibly could have. And in doing that, put myself in a position that when Terry came to me and said, you're not in the vision, which could have been incredibly crushing to somebody, it actually gave me a reason to trust because I knew that I had heard from the heart of God and because I stepped out into that belief setting, I could have just left right then and I don't know what would have happened in my life. But here's what I do know. In the next three or four months after that, before we moved back here, I had to go before the Lord and say, what do I do? And I had trust in the fact that God spoke to me once, he's gonna speak to me again, and he did. And again, here I am, still 18 years later, loving what I'm doing, <laughs> loving it. I'm gonna transition now into communion a little bit. Luke 22, 19 through 20 says this, and he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And at all of our campuses, in just a few minutes, we are going to take communion. And as you do that, I want you to go to the stations and I want you to receive the bread and remember what Christ did on that cross for you. The word of God says that he sacrificed his body 
so that we would never have to sacrifice another lamb or goat or ram ever again because he became the lamb of God that took away the sins of the world, your sins and everybody else in this world. And remember that that's what he did. And then when you take it and you dip it into the cup, we default offer you the wine. If you want juice, just ask for that. But whatever, whatever cup you dip it into, I want you to remember that Jesus himself said, this is my blood and it is a sign of the new covenant. What is the new covenant? What are we reminding ourselves? The new covenant is the fact that now we have the Holy Spirit and we can have direct access to, the heavenly, to our heavenly father and we can hear his voice. And he wants to give us the gift of hearing his voice. And therefore, when that comes, then we can receive that gift of faith and then we can be sure of things we don't see. When you know that you know that the Lord has spoke something, then you can walk in confidence and boldness and you can walk out and do what he asks you to do. And church, he's got plans and he's got purposes. The Bible actually says he's got so many for you and I that we can't even imagine or comprehend the many plans that he has for us. And so when you go to that communion station, I want you to just remind yourself that God, that Jesus himself died. He gave his blood so that I could have the access to our heavenly father and hear his voice. And just go before him and say, God, speak to me. Help me to be an open vessel. Put me into a place where I can hear your voice. Lord, speak clear to me. Make it a prayer. Go before him because he's a good father. And when we open our hearts and we open our minds to hearing his voice, he is faithful to come and answer those prayers. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now. And God, we thank you so much. We thank you so much that you loved us and gave your son so that we could have that right relationship with you again. And that because of that, because of the blood that was given, that was shed on our behalf or for our behalf, God, because of that, we can have direct access to you, to our daddy. And so Lord, we come before you right now and we ask that you would increase our faith. And what I say, when I say that, when I pray that, what I'm saying is, God, increase our ability to hear you. Because when we hear you, that builds our faith. And God, when you speak to us, let us not doubt. Let, let us not be uh, wavering in what we've heard. Let us be just sure and confident in the things that we hear and help us to believe, God. Help us then to believe what we've heard and to step out in the action of belief. Because here's the truth, Lord. We trust you. We trust that you are good. We trust that you have our best, our best in your mind. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for how these three things work together. We thank you how you want to persuade us through not only experiences that we have with you and not only the facts of archaeology finds and all of the things that prove that Jesus Christ was who he said he was, but Lord, we also thank you for the persuasion that comes from revelation. And as we, be, as we go before this communion table, God, we commit. God, we renew our hunger 
to hear your voice. We pray these things in your name. Amen.